Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by Michael Spath, and it is December 30th here. What an end to 2020. Um, this has been an absolutely wild year for so many reasons, whether it was uh, Michigan athletics or not. But I think a lot of people, Mike, would be uh, pretty happy to know that we are close to beginning a new <laughs> right. year and turning a new leaf here. Well, yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, this is certainly a conversation um, we can have in this show. But, like, what is the promise for, for 2021 uh, if you're a Michigan sports fan, if you're a Michigan football fan, if you're a Michigan basketball fan, Michigan hockey, softball, baseball, uh, you know, a lot of these sports, especially the, the spring sports and the, the winter sports that have not started their seasons yet, like swimming and diving and gymnastics and, um, and wrestling that traditionally do start in uh, December, you know, for them, they're just, they just want to play. Um, they want to play safely and, and they want to see if they can get a season in. Uh, so we'll have to see, you know, for volleyball and, and field hockey and cross country that were uh, supposed to take place in the fall um, that didn't. And they're supposed to be spring sports now. So there's a lot of there's a lot of questions still about 2021, certainly. Um, but there's, you know, hopefully a lot to look forward to uh, with this Michigan basketball team, which which uh, will play on New Year's Eve now at 8 p.m. I think the game got moved back an hour. Uh, their their contest at Maryland. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. But Justin, you know, end of 2020 is going to conclude here with uh, uncertainty around this Michigan football program. Um, a couple player departures, a couple players uh, or one player, big player announcing he'll be back for 2021. Uh, but we find ourselves still unaware of what Jim Harbaugh intends to do and what Michigan intends to do. And someone might say, like, well, he has a contract for next year. Of course he's going to be back. Um, but everybody, I mean, it, it really comes down to an extension. If you don't sign a guy to an extension uh, going into the 2021, uh, you're essentially saying this guy's a lame duck head coach. And he, if, if he doesn't have a contract going into the season, then it's all about what he does that season. Uh, and that is a terrible way. I mean, it's worse to recruit for that than it was for this past recruiting cycle. Uh, it's worse for your players, for your team, for your fans, for everybody uh, to have no understanding. And so, um, you know, they've got to resolve that quickly 
Uh, and, you know, I, I guess, where do you find yourself right now? I mean, you, you've been paying attention to rumors. You, you saw what Chris Ballas reported yesterday that a deal is done. Uh, so where are you right now in the Jim Harbaugh extension watch? Well, you know, first of all, going back to what you said a, a minute ago with the uh, spring sports and everything, uh, it looks like the volleyball schedule did just come out yesterday. Mm -hmm. They're going to start here in late January. And so um, having a schedule come out and then you have just three weeks to prepare, you know, whether it's on the athletic department side to put together an event or the teams to put together a scouting and all that stuff is just going to be crazy for all those sports that you did mention that are trying to get a season together so hopefully they can get uh get that full season and and play for the sake of these these student athletes that missed all of last season or missed their fall season um so i'm hoping that 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 works out for them but in terms of jim harbaugh you know it's one of those things i, w I was doing a, a little youtube show with uh with mark rogers yesterday and he jumped on and he's like wow i saw this the, the Harbaugh thing, it's done. Deal is done, right? And I'm like, mm -hmm. man, I don't even know. It, uh, he was all excited and he wanted me to talk about it. And I was just like, to me, the Chris Ballas thing, I think Chris Ballas is incredibly, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about. He's got great sources. But it's just another rumor, right? Mm -hmm. We've had rumors from everybody it seems like at this point and so I find myself struggling again um, you know we talked about it last podcast uh, where we're like we can't possibly follow this hour by hour and day by day so until something does come out of it uh, from the university or from Jim Harbaugh's mouth I don't know if I can believe it and so to me it just seems like okay well um, you know if the deal is done and it's in Jim's court why is he not taking it, Mike? Is he, is he looking for something else? Is, what's he waiting on? Is there, are there other details to, mm -hmm. to the deal that he wants to, to be changed? Is he looking for more money? Is he not happy with uh, the bonuses that they laid out for him? What do you think in terms of the, uh, the contract and what the, you know, the stipulations and all of it? And is, is, there, is there something more to this that we are not hearing? Well, if, if Chris Ballas's uh, report is correct, and I worked with Chris for, I think it was 14 years and, and respect Chris and Chris does a great job. Uh, and so, you know, if, if his report is correct, there's absolutely no reason uh, not to announce that the contract has been extended. And I think there is a reason uh, to announce or to, to be holding back. And, you know, through the years, uh, I certainly cultivated a lot of relationships and a lot of friendships and a lot of sources uh, and this comes from the Harbaugh side, uh, two independent sources that I reached out to um, in the last uh, 36 hours that are both uh, close to members of the Harbaugh family uh, have uh, told me uh, that the preferred destination here is still the NFL, um, that they're going to hold out, that they don't want to announce this contract extension uh, for three years, five years. Uh, and then literally turn around in a week later, announce that Jim Harbaugh is, is taking an NFL job because that's bad optics. Um, and they don't want to ultimately be the, the final, final memory of Jim Harbaugh, you know, lying to Michigan, lying to the Michigan fans, lying to his players. Uh, and so they don't want to announce this extension. But yes, the, what I've been told is that every NFL opportunity is still going to be exhausted. Uh, and there's a couple NFL head coach openings right now, but there's going to be more 
Um, this, this last week coming up here, this Saturday, Sunday slate of games is the last week of the NFL season. After that, you'll have, you know, what they call Black Monday, which uh, coach is getting fired. Uh, there's expected to be at least three or four more head coach openings. There always are about seven or eight in the NFL. Um, and Jim Harbaugh, his, uh, his side, his camp is going to explore those opportunities um, and hope to find an NFL job. I'm going to use the term. This is not the term that was given to me by the, by the two people close to the Harbaugh family, but I'm going to use the term. Essentially, Michigan is a fallback for Jim Harbaugh right now. And you know what, like people are like, if, if you want to crush him for that, I guess that's your prerogative. I really don't care because I don't want to see him be the coach of Michigan in the future here. I think like his best days are behind him. I don't think that he's the guy to turn this back around and reestablish a culture as we discussed in our last podcast. Um, so I'm okay. If he, if, if that is the case, I think it's bad for Michigan. I think it's, um, I think it's weak for, for Ward Manuel that uh, he's, he's letting Jim put him in this position, but but Justin, you and I talked about this a little bit. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has all the leverage because if you, if if they fire him right now, they have to pay him ten and a half million dollars, and then they're going to sign a coach, and they're not going to pay this guy pittance, right? They're not going to pay him three and three and a half, four million bucks, even during a global pandemic. They're going to probably start off with a salary around five, five and a half, six. So now you're owing your football coach in 2021 fifteen or sixteen million dollars, um, and that's just not a good look. And so Michigan's in a rock between a rock and a hard place. Jim Harbaugh knows this. He has the leverage. He's going to look for enough opportunities. He will only be the football coach at Michigan in 2021 if it doesn't work out in the NFL. So what do you do with that information? Wow. That's a lot to unpack here because I think that most people would look at this and say, how does Harbaugh possibly have any leverage? And, and I understand the, the financial part of it, but you still have to look at it and say, Jim has not, you know, gotten up to his standard. He has not performed at Michigan to what we, we had hoped to what he was expected to. So you would think that during all this, especially after a two and four season that he would say uh, that, you know, Ward Manuel would say, Hey man, you should be lucky to have this job right now. And if we offer you a, a, a contract, you should take it. But he knows, he must know that there is some NFL interest out there. And, you know, obviously he has coached in the NFL and won in the NFL. Uh, went to a Super Bowl against his brother, who is still coaching in the NFL. So he's got the connections. And it sounds like his brother is trying to work those connections for him. Um, but it just is kind of amazing that after everything that Jim Harbaugh has failed to do at Michigan and after the worst year in Michigan you know recent history uh, he still has leverage in this situation is pretty amazing and so um, I do think it's a it is a weak standpoint from Michigan in this uh, situation they should be saying hey you know we we have we are still Michigan you know, that's what it comes off to me as, is that it's, it, it doesn't seem like Michigan is still this big name, which they should be. Uh, it should be a, a great coaching uh, job for a lot of people out there, whether it's Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, or Jim Harbaugh. And so I, I think that's frustrating for Michigan fans to hear that Jim Harbaugh still can hold this over Ward Manuel's head and whoever else is making the decisions in the athletic department, because 
uh, Michigan should be a destination job for a lot of different people. And right now it's being used as a toy, you know, that's dangling in front of Jim Harbaugh and he can do whatever he wants basically. And still will have the opportunity to come back. If it is that fallback option after he, he looks elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, again, rocking a hard place. You know, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, hey, you know, this is this is a bad look for Michigan, or you know, aren't aren't you, you know, Auburn just unloaded uh, Gus Malzahn and and paid his uh, buyout of twenty million dollars, and and I don't know, I I guess a Michigan fan could say like, well, are you know, who are we? Like, why can't we? But but Justin, like, I mean, the economy has wrecked everything. The the economy of football, the economy of college athletics has wrecked everything. Great article by Michael Rosenberg from Sports Illustrated about that yesterday mm-hmm. and how football has been propping everything up, um, which we knew, but even more so. But I mean, so I don't know. I mean, if, if Ward Manuel came out tomorrow and said, we are parting ways with Jim Harbaugh um, and we wish him the very best as he pursues another opportunity in the NFL or college, and, it, and immediately it's foia and immediately the buyout is listed at $10.5 million. And then they do a coaching search and they hire Matt Campbell and they hire Matt Campbell for $5.5 million per year. I, I don't know, which one does he get reamed about for more by, by people? Does he get reamed for um, paying a football coach, paying two football coaches $15.5 million in 2021? Um, and, or does he get reamed more for keeping Jim Harbaugh and letting him use uh, Michigan as, as, as a leverage, like which one is a worse position? If you're not for Michigan, not if you're a Michigan fan, which one is worse for, for word manual? Right. It's both are really, really bad. <laughs> you're, you're, you're about, you're very right with the, uh, the rock and a hard place. And if there was a better, a worse term then uh, you know, we, I would try to use it here, but I, you know how close to that situation I am with my fiance being, you know, mm-hmm. uh, an employee of the athletic department. And it would be very frustrating for us to learn that they can spend, you know, up to $15 million on a new football coach, but she can't get uh, her merit raised this year um, or, you know, or anything. And she's had to, take uh take a pay cut for half the year which you know 90 percent of the athletic department did and so i think that not only just in the athletic department but yeah you you see you would see fans that would be really frustrated that after the underperformance of jim harbaugh you're still going to let him walk away with a ton of money uh and then go find a new opportunity there so mm-hmm. i i completely understand it i think ward manual has been probably losing a lot of sleep over this decision over the past nine, 12 months, you know, whatever it is. And he doesn't know what to do. And, and Michigan going two and four at the end uh, here was uh, about the worst thing possible that could happen for him because it makes his decision so much harder. Um, so well, I, I want to ask lucky you they went two and four. They, if they would have played their other three games, right? you know, at the very, I think at the very best, they would have finished three and six. Yeah. Um, right. They would have they would have lost a, to Ohio State and Iowa and and maybe beaten Maryland. With some very embarrassing losses as well right. that are sprinkled yeah. in there to your biggest rival and to some other teams. So but um so you're absolutely right. But I, I wanted to ask you this. Do you believe that with all this going on and Jim Harbaugh having, you know, so much leverage, 
do you think that Ward Manuel or some uh, somebody else from the athletic department has their own fallback plan? Are they reaching out to Matt Campbell or Luke wow, Fickle or question. somebody else? Yeah, that's a great question, honestly. Um, you know, are they doing back channel stuff? Uh, I, I, I don't know the answer. I don't want to just um, make up an answer. I, I think too often in, in this position, we, we kind of guess and we try to mm-hmm. pretend that that is something what we're hearing. And I'd rather say like, I don't know. Um, you know, I've got some good sources on the, uh, on this Harbaugh side. Um, but I actually have a pretty good source, um, inside the athletic department, not, you know, not as good as yours, but, uh, um, but no, and just for clarification, I, I should say, you don't, you know, your, your uh, fiance does not provide you any information. That would be no, a bad she, move on her she, part. Well, um, it's, it is, I'll, I'll touch on that just a second. It is funny because people think that, that she knows everything or she'll tell me a lot. And she hasn't been able to step inside Schembechler Hall since she was hired there because it is Fort Schembechler, right? And they, they lock everything down. So it's kind of funny. And, and this is why I laugh at some people out there that say they have sources mm-hmm. because I know, you know, I've been inside Chrysler Arena and the Michigan Stadium in the past two years, hundreds of times. I have never stepped inside Schembechler. She has, and I know that 95% of the athletic department hasn't, um, just because that's how Jim Harbaugh runs his ship. It is so tight. It is absolutely locked down over there, and they they do not let people in and out, even inside the athletic department. So, yeah. no, she does not give me any information, and, and I, I don't think there are a lot of people out there that – get information in that way well and so to back to your point does he have a backup plan I don't know um you know I was just running through all the power five uh head coaching positions there's only there's actually no vacant um head coaching positions in the power five right now um you know what's his name from Illinois Lovey Smith got fired and they hire Brett Belima mm-hmm. uh and and Auburn Gus Malzahn got fired and they they hired the coach from uh, Boise State um, so Boise Carson. state is open, uh, right. Boise state is open, but there's no other power five positions open and looking through here. Um, honestly, like, I think the only one that might become available here in the next week is probably Tennessee. If they decided to move on from Jeremy Pruitt. Um, but I don't know how big of a buyout, uh, Jeremy Pruitt has. And again, like that's going to be a factor in 2020, 2021. Um, so is there a good chance that Matt Campbell is available in 10 days? I think there is a really good chance. And so if Jim Harbaugh were to leave and go coach in the NFL or take a job, I I think Matt Campbell would still be uh, the number one choice. Um, Again, I I have advocated for if I'm Ward Manuel and I have the resources that are at my disposal, I'm going to call up the the best coaches in football and ask them, um, you know, who do you think is the next, you know, big thing with with resources and opportunity and some of them might say Matt Campbell Matt Campbell may be the slam dunk choice um, but if Belichick and Saban and Urban Meyer and Dabo Sweeney and uh, you know whoever else uh, you know um, Andy Reid and Pete Carroll if they all said like well you know what as I've come across and they start identifying young people that are either a coordinator right now in college or the NFL or a uh, assistant coach somewhere and they're saying you know what this guy is honestly this is the guy I believe that is you get you make him your coach he's the next Lincoln Riley he's the next Ryan Day mm-hmm. um, you know he's the next enter Dabo Sweet you know he's the next 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 that's what I would do before I would just go out and hire Matt Campbell but Matt Campbell may ultimately be someone that all those people or some of those people say 
hey, you got to go get this guy. This guy's a stud. So I do think that Michigan will be okay um, when and if, uh, or if and when um, Jim Harbaugh moves on to the NFL. But it really does, it kind of, it, it does suck for Michigan. And it sucks for, as we'll talk about in a minute here, for players that are, there's an uncertainty. Um, you know, I saw that Penn State has picked up a couple of uh, transfer portal players already. Um, you know, decisions are being made about coordinators. All of that kind of has to sit here, right? You can't really, you can't really go out there and hire a new offensive coordinator or hire a new defensive coordinator, replace Don Brown, if you don't know, uh, if you can't tell that guy that I have a contract in place for beyond 2021, because that coach is going to say like, well, that's crazy. I'm not coming here until I, I know what your, what your status is, Jim. And if you're looking at the transfer portal and you're recruiting guys, like it's a little bit easier to land a recruit or land a transfer portal kid because um you know i hate to say this but they probably don't look at the long-term ramifications as well as certainly coaches you know that have agents that have advisors that have family members talking to them that have graduated from college that have been in this profession before uh and long enough um but certainly i mean you know right now there's an opportunity uh to pick up some of these uh transfer kids uh and michigan is missing out on that opportunity um, because of the uncertainty of of Jim Harbaugh. So it's got to get itself resolved. But if you're on Harbaugh watch, I would uh, kind of maybe sit on your hands um, because I don't think anything's going to come officially from it for another – here we are on Wednesday. Uh, NFL Black Monday will be next Monday. So, you know, we might be talking about a week to 10 days before there's an announcement one way or another. It's just crazy, Mike. I mean, we've sat here and waited, and, and I feel bad for our listeners because we we are ending up talking about the same shit every single time we hop on here, but mm -hmm. it's just being, you know, put off uh, more and more and more. And so it, it's, it's really frustrating for us to sit here and have to talk about the, you know, have the same conversation again and again, mm -hmm. but this is this is where we're at with uh, with the situation, and so um, I think that that's where Michigan fans are probably frustrated too out there. They're saying, "Hey, we've got some holes to fill in that transfer portal uh, that we should be that we should be going after and looking at right now and landing some already, like Penn State has, and they're not because of the uncertainty. And same thing with the filling positions on the coaching staff." Mm -hmm. um, you're looking at uh, Don Brown already possibly moving on to Arizona to join Jed Fish, uh, and there's no nothing on the defensive coordinator search for Michigan. So I think that's really frustrating. So I, if you could if you could give a percentage chance that Jim Harbaugh is back versus he is not, where would you put that right now? I would honestly, I mean, I'd probably say fifty fifty. Um, it just really comes down to, you know, I, I've heard of the San Diego Chargers job. Uh, I guess the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to be wrong with that for the rest of my <laughs> life because I'm so used to saying San Diego. I think the Los Angeles Chargers job um, is very intriguing. Uh, and, and will that be something that uh, there's an opportunity for? Um, you know, the Detroit Lions won. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that Southeast Michigan really wants to re-embrace Jim Harbaugh. Right. Um, you know, Michigan fans that live in the area are kind of sick of them. Michigan State fans that live in the area certainly don't want him to be the Lions head coach. Um, I think Michigan I, State fans want him to be the coach of, at Michigan. And same with Ohio State fans. That's what that's the pulse I've got. And they would like him to stay because he obviously has not, uh, you know, performed to, to the standard here. 
Right. So I think, I think you're looking at that San Diego uh, or that Los Angeles job. If it, uh, um, you know, if it becomes available as like the preferred destination, but I think it's 50, 50 at this point, uh, whether or not he will be the, the uh, uh, you know, the coach at Michigan and Anthony Lynn, are they going to fire him? You know, it certainly kind of looks like that. Right. Um, so we'll have to see. Love to see, but yeah, I would say I would say 50-50 right now if he'll be Michigan's head coach in 2021 uh, and beyond. So, Justin, yeah. let's yeah. I was just gonna say that's a, it's still a crazy, crazy percentage that we're not even 50-50 is wild out here on December 30th that we're not even leaning one way or the other after everything we've been through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the some of the players. Uh, and we'll get to that. We'll also get to some Michigan basketball. Um, but Justin, you know, coming up here in just, well, just uh, one day, New Year's Eve 2020, cannot wait to turn the clock to 2021, right? And, and it's so hard for, because everybody is like, well, you know, carry out, I'll get carry out. How can I do something special? Like maybe, maybe they're like you and they're recently engaged. Um, maybe you want to treat your significant other to something, you know, something unique, but there's no restaurant that's open unless you want to sit outside. And it's all just, I mean, it's all just a bummer as we come to New Year's Eve. And our friends at Weber's Hotel and Restaurant have got a great deal for you. Uh, that is their New Year's Eve room and dinner package. Uh, hotel rooms starting at uh, 300 bucks. You get a bottle of champagne delivered to your, uh, to deliver to, to your room upon check-in. Uh, two Weber souvenir champagne flutes, a $50 credit towards room service, um, and first access to uh, reservations. Um, a maximum of two guests per room. There's no parties in the hotel rooms allowed. Um, but here is the best part of this deal, in my opinion, uh, Justin, is you, you know, 300 bucks, you get to have room service, you know, come to your hotel room. If you, book a, if you book a balcony overlooking the pool, you can have your dinner over, out on the balcony, which is a really great option, uh, and kind of you know, pop your champagne at midnight overlooking the pool and kind of having that celebration. I'm sure there'll be other people out on their balconies uh, that you can kind of celebrate with, which will be a lot of fun. But if you book this deal, 300 bucks, you get the New Year's Eve night. You could either spend the night tonight or you can spend the night on January 1st for free. So essentially you pay the 300 bucks and you get two nights out of that $300. Um, so you can kind of just, you know, how many times do you think about like you wake up the next day, you're in a hotel and you're like, ah, oh, so let's admit it hung over. And you're like, ah, oh, but I got to get out of this hotel by 10 AM or something like that. Well here you could just stay in the hotel the whole next day, take it all in, enjoy it, relax, go down to the pool, order some more room service, sleep in as long as you want, cure that hangover and just uh, enjoy yourself. And so that deal is available by going to webersannarbor.com and clicking on offers. The New Year's Eve 2020 deal from our friends at Weber's Hotel. So I might have to uh might have to take them up on that. You know, we we haven't been back since uh since the engagement and we really don't have any plans because everyone's kind of doing their own thing for New Year's Eve. It's such a weird thing still. So that sounds like a good option. Sounds like a good option. Well, it uh, our friends, you know, they do a great job. They've been coming up with deals. You can look at other other offers that are available right now um too. 
Uh, I know that I take advantage of the weekday rate where you're 45 bucks. You can be in there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and essentially work from a hotel room uh, instead of having to work from home, which can get a little repetitive. So, mm -hmm. all right, Justin, the good news for Michigan fans. Let's talk about something positive that came out yesterday. Aiden Hutchinson officially announced that he'll be back for his senior year. Um, you know, he, he was came into the season, what, ranked at least top three among Michigan's players. Um, did, you know, play to the first couple of games, got hurt, missed the last few games. Um, he is, you know, he is all in, probably a captain in 2021, regardless of who the coach is. Uh, he's yet to really take over and become a dominant threat at defensive end. Um, interesting that we had Dan Rumashek on last week. If you missed that podcast, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to it because he talks about how Ohio State uses their defensive ends versus Michigan. Um, with Don Brown gone uh, and a new coordinator coming in, whether it's for a new coach or for Jim Harbaugh, um, there is, I mean, if you're a coach coming in, you look at like what you have and you've got to be excited that you have Aiden Hutchinson coming back. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and this is especially with Don Brown being gone and with the, you know, the uncertainty at the uh, defensive coordinator position and really with that entire defensive uh, coaching staff, it was a bit surprising to me. I was thinking, you know what, maybe he says, maybe uh, Aiden had a really, you know, close connection to Don Brown. And he says, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen uh, in, in 2021 on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to take my chances here. I've got great film already. I've got a, a great body for the NFL and I can use this off season to bulk up as much as possible and, uh, and have a great combine, but he decided to come back. And, and you know what, Mike, I think that this is such a great thing and such a huge impact for Michigan on the field, but I think it's even a bigger impact off the field without with a new defensive coordinator coming in and a lack of leadership. It looked like from Michigan on the defensive side, really everywhere uh, towards the end of the season with Aiden out. I think that Aiden's going to come back and say, this is my team. I am not going to let this happen. What happened in 2020 happen to us again. I am going to, you know, be a leader. I'm going to make sure that all these young guys, all these new guys that are coming in and, and filling in these spots are up to speed and know what they're doing. Um, and then on the, on the defensive line, you know, they still have guys that really haven't played a whole lot. Um, they're going to have, uh, you know, Taylor Upshaw or, Chris Hinton, Mozzie Smith, Donovan Jeter, like some guys that, uh, that haven't played a whole lot. And then on the other side, obviously with Upshaw and maybe it's Luigi Villane filling in for Quiddy Pay, you know, it's, it's tough to say at this time, but it, it's just, I think from a, uh, from a leadership perspective, from a uh, talent perspective, it is just a huge, huge impact for Michigan to have Aiden Hutchinson back. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you, you know, you, you, you hit all the, you hit all the right pieces there. And the leadership standpoint I think is, is important, but really what, what, would excite me. And again, it, it comes down to the challenge and, and not even the challenge, the opportunity, because that's what it is for a new defensive coordinator to come in and say is like, I've got this physical specimen uh, that has certainly not lived up to, or certainly not had the opportunity uh, to be his absolute best yet. And so what am I going to do with this guy? You know, when I look at him, when I look at his size, you know, six foot five, six foot six, uh, 275 pounds with his fast twitch, uh, with his acceleration, with his strength, with, with his understanding, his IQ is exceptional. Like, 
okay, I cannot treat this guy like Michigan treated Rashawn Gary in 2017 and 2018. I cannot make him a straight up, just strong side defensive end that has, as, as Ramashek explained to us, two gap responsibility on every play uh, and can't just get after the passer. Like I've got to turn this guy loose. I've got to let this guy in a 12, 13 game season be a double digit sack performer. I've got to let this guy, I've got to make sure that he's out there causing so much chaos and whoever the quarterback is, he is having to identify before every single play, where's Aiden Hutchinson. Like this needs to be a, this needs to be a Brandon Graham like senior season. Okay. And Brandon Graham, I mean, established like the, the best senior season I've ever seen out of a defensive end at Michigan, you know, 20, what, 24 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks. I mean, absolutely like that is a dominant performance um by a player lamar woodley uh back in the day and and so i need to see that out of aiden hutchinson in 2021 and that's what would excite me if i'm a defensive coordinator is i've got this great opportunity with this young man uh so that certainly is good news for michigan and it helps you with you know if you are chris hinton if you are mozzie smith if you are taylor upshaw and you know, maybe Luigi Villain, um, you know, all these young guys, like you got to follow Hutchinson now. Like you've got to, um, you have got to, uh, you know, start um, to play at the level and perform and practice at the level uh, that Aiden Hutchinson has uh, during his entire career. Yeah. And, and how I see Aiden is he's a, he's a Chase Winovich type of guy, right? And they remind, they remind me of each other so much. And it's not only uh, just the, the talent level, but the enthusiasm, the, the leading by example, the, the, you know, vocal leadership as well, which I feel like the Michigan has, you know, I thought that back in the 2018 season, up until that trip to Columbus, Michigan finally had the identity of a chip on their shoulder and they were going to come in and they're confident and they are, you know, they're doing everything the right way. And, and I felt like Aiden Hutchinson had that same identity. And so with Quiddy pay and Aiden this past year, and even in 2019, I thought that they had, they were starting to gain, gain that back a little bit. And, and so I'm excited to see that from Aiden. I think that he still will have that. I'm hoping that he brings, some of those guys that we've talked about and, and like you said under his wing a little bit and and they are you know getting to be have that same mentality as him and so I I think that this is just a phenomenal uh phenomenal piece to to this defense especially when you're talking about the next guy who we are going to mention Cam McGrone mm-hmm. who has now uh entered the NFL and won't be back next year so what are your thoughts on Cam McGrone uh after a not so stellar 2020 season, obviously injury riddled, but even when he was in, uh, was definitely not the Cam McGrone of his sophomore season. And he's deciding to forego his, his senior season uh, and head to the NFL. Yeah, disappointing. Disappointing season, disappointing career, if we're going to be honest. Um, Cam McGrone, kid with a lot of potential, certainly flashed it um, with some, uh, some you know, plays of significance um, in uh, 2019, not consistently enough in 2019. I know a lot of people wanted to make the Reggie or the Reggie, the uh, Devin Bush comparison, um, but he just, he never reached that level. And, and that's fair because he was starting for the first time um, in 2019. And, and what he showed was, a, was weakness in uh, coverage uh, and, you know, a little bit of, of maybe reading the wrong hole. He was, he got too easily blocked. And then this year, that was really his biggest problem was that um, maybe a little bit too eager to, to make plays in the backfield. And so 
Um, he would, you know, he would attack and there was a lot of cutback stuff like that. They used his aggressiveness against him. That's one of the things you always hear in the, in, in football. They used his aggressiveness against him and he got himself pulled out of the play uh, with a, a pulling guard or something like that way too easy um, and just did not really, he did not have a good year. And, you know, I know that pro football focus, um, you know, ranked them, I, I think, out of Michigan defensive players this year. He ranked 33rd. Now that's kind of a, that's kind of absurd because there's not 32 guys that play a significant role ahead of them. Um, but essentially you're, you're saying that out of like the normal rotation of 15 to 18 guys, um, you know, he graded among the, the worst players this year. Uh, so he's going to leave and he's going to go for the NFL and he's going to have to get um, you know, he's going to have to have a great combine, which I think he will because he's an, he is a similar to, to Bush and some of these other guys. He's a great athlete. Um, he's going to need a lot of coaching. I think, I think uh, teams are going to look at his film and not be very impressed uh, with, uh, with what he accomplished over the last year. Um, but he has a lot of potential to, to be a good player in the NFL, but it's going to be a couple years down the road. He's not a guy that comes in and plays like Devin Bush did as a rookie and uh, just takes off um, and, you know, and, and, is, and is great right from the get-go. So, and as a, as a Michigan fan, it's disappointing because he's another player that leaves the program before you ever really saw the best that he could be. Um, and, and that, that happens at different places. It's not just a Michigan thing. Um, but it certainly is a frustrating thing as a fan. Uh, you know, you had all this, God, remember coming to the year and it was McGrone and Barrett and Josh Ross at the linebacker spot. Uh, and what an amazing trio that was going to be maybe on paper, one of the best trios that Michigan's ever had. And instead it was probably one of the biggest, uh, disappointments, um, that Michigan's had just really did not get, uh, other than the first game with, uh, Mike Barrett, didn't get anything out of that position. Now you come back, you got Mike Barrett, Josh Ross should be back for another year for a fifth year. Um, but uh, he's a player on the decline that uh, trending in the wrong direction. You know, who is the guy who steps up? Who is the guy that, um, you know, really takes off for Michigan and, and gives them that great middle linebacker play? So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, do you read anything into it? The fact that instead of coming back for his senior year, instead of coming back and proving himself and position himself to be uh, a potentially high draft pick, or higher draft pick that he's taking off? Do you read anything into that? Well, you know, I think that with all the frustrations that Michigan fans have had with Don Brown, and you, have, you and I have had them too, obviously, um, but I think that there were a lot of players that had really good relationships with Don Brown. And so I, I don't think it's too surprising that some of these guys will say, you know what, I – I knew exactly what I was going to get with Coach Brown, uh, even if it wasn't, uh, you know, as good of a defense as, as Michigan fans would hope for. I think it's tough to, if you're leaning one way or the other, if you're, or if you're uh, already, you know, up in the air, that might be the deciding factor for you. Instead of having to learn an entire new defense, get, uh, you know, build a relationship with an entire new coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball, um, all those things. So I think it's not surprising there. What's surprising to me is that, Mike, you and I watched him, and I watched the film every game after, you know, the day after, the couple days after. His film from 2020 when he was in there is bad. You mm -hmm. said it where he over overcompensated and he didn't, he didn't have gap integrity and everything there he was not good in 2020. And so if you go back and look at the film, him and Josh Ross both were out of position on a lot of plays and they weren't able to make the play. And that's why we saw Dax Hill making the tackle 15 yards down the field on a lot of run plays. And so um, 
that's where I'm a little perplexed as, uh, as far as him, you know, he's going to go off of just one year, his sophomore year, pretty much of film. And then maybe a couple plays from his junior year. And, uh, it's just gonna, it's just interesting. I, I would have expected him to say, you know, I, I need a little bit more film to show these, uh, show these, uh, NFL scouts and GMs that I really am that star linebacker that they all thought I was after the 2019 season. Uh, and so I thought that, you know, going into 2021, he can only improve his draft stock. In my opinion, he definitely couldn't have heard it because I thought that after the end of the 2020 season, it was pretty dang low. And so that's where I, I was just a little bit surprised at that. Um, but you just never know what's going on with kids and, and maybe he's hearing from scouts and his agent and everything else that, uh, Hey, you've got the tangibles, you've got the body. We can work with this. If you have a good combine, uh, you know, GMs are, are interested in you and they think they can work with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to root for Cameron Grown. I'm certainly not rooting against him. I think anytime a person comes and wears the, uh, the block M, wears the winged helmet uh, and gives uh, great effort and heart and everything that comes into it and, and goes to class, um, you know, whether you're disappointed that he's leaving or disappointed in the career that he had, you become his biggest fan and you root for his success going forward. And I, mm-hmm. I certainly hope that's the case. Um, you know, someone especially leaving uh, after three years, uh, you don't know where he is in terms of, you know, getting his, uh, his degree. Um, hopefully that's something that he comes back and pursues further uh, after, after his NFL dreams or during his NFL career. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I'm a little surprised that he didn't at least wait to see who the new, new defensive coordinator is because um, that guy comes in. And if it's someone who's, who's got a reputation, has, has a proven track record of developing linebackers, maybe he says like, dude, like this guy can really make me something special and I'll be great next year for him. So I'm a little surprised by that. And, and I, t- I think to me, that doesn't strike me as like a super great confidence in his head coach that he is not willing to trust Jim Harbaugh uh, to either hire the right guy or he's not willing to trust Jim Harbaugh to, to kind of have the right um, culture in place and the right uh, mechanisms in place to help him realize his best dreams in 2021. So if you're looking for anything that says like, ah, that's not a great sign that would be it to me is that he didn't even wait to see who his coordinator was uh, before getting out the door as fast as he possibly could. And not even outside he was going to transfer somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying like, I'm off for the NFL. See ya. I'm just, just, I want out of this situation. Like, let me go. So the other one who announced yesterday, Justin was Quinn Nordeen. This was not a surprise. Uh, Quinn Nordeen was a fifth year senior. Um, you know, people say like, well, but the extra eligibility, all these kids get an extra year of eligibility who participate in the fall and who participate in the spring. Uh, here's what uh, Michigan is not telling anybody publicly and what a lot of schools are not telling anybody publicly is they ain't giving these kids an extra year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan is, has been telling their athletes very quietly uh, that uh, there's not a sixth year of eligibility or if you were a true senior, a fifth year of eligibility coming uh, because they can't pay for it and they can't handle the roster management that, that comes with it, the headaches that come with it. Uh, and so someone like Quinn Nordeen, uh, anybody else that was a fifth year senior, Chris Evans, we already saw declare for the NFL draft after what having, uh, you know, 70 yards or, or, or something, you know, minuscule and rushing overall this year. Uh, why did he do that? Why didn't he, why didn't he come back for another year um, and, and get a bigger opportunity with a 12 game season? Because he didn't have a chance because he didn't have an opportunity to come back for another year. Michigan is not, they just, again, like the financial impact and then the roster management, they can't, it, it's too hard to figure out. 
And so, you know, Michigan is not unlike many schools. I mean, Wisconsin already kind of announced it. Uh, Barry Alvarez took a little bit of a blowback for it, but that's just the reality of the situation, Justin, is none of these guys, uh, none of these athletes, I should say, are going to get this extra year of eligibility um, on, on, except for rare cases out there. Yeah, and this is another really, really tough situation for athletic directors and coaches out there because they may want to give, you know, all these athletes another year if they didn't get, you know, the same experience, whether it's uh, on the football field or the spring sports that were canceled last year, um, even some of the fall sports that were obviously canceled this year outside of football. Um, so I, I don't think it's like a, we don't want to give uh, our athletes another chance, but it's just financially and, and scholarship wise. It, it's really, really a tough situation. We talked about it there, you know, just where most athletic departments are financially and they're struggling. They're, they really lost a lot over this past year. Uh, and then from the from just a, a scholarship and position uh, wise in each sport, you know, you're going to have still a freshman class that's coming in. Right. So if you keep even a few seniors that really kind of messes up the rhythm that you have and the cycle that you have for these scholarship players in their openings. And so um, if you have a, so a rising sophomore that's coming in and ready to, to step into that role, and now all of a sudden that senior comes back and they're the starter, maybe that sophomore is looking to transfer because they now, you know, thought that they would have a spot, but they don't. So I think it's, it's just a, it's a tough thing. I understand it completely. Uh, the frustration from the athlete side where they would love just to have one more time, uh, you know, in Michigan stadium coming out of the tunnel with fans there because they weren't able to get it. But I understand it completely from the athletic department side where they say, hey, I, we're really sorry, but we don't have the financials to offer you another scholarship uh, and, and screw up kind of the entire cycle that we've got going now. So it's just a, just a tough situation that the pandemic uh, came forward and, and, the, and provided for these uh, athletic departments, and there's really no way around it. Well, and, and Justin, let me ask you this question. Uh, in terms of Quinn Nordine, what are you losing? I mean, you're going to lose him anyway. Right. Um, but, you know, this is a kid with a big leg that at times was really good uh, and at times was really bad. Um, and someone that, you know, we saw in that Rutgers game uh, earlier this year, you know, yelling at his, his long snapper, yelling at his holder, yelling at his coach. Um, you know, I, I had uh, – I have a, a good friend who's a special teams coach, and he said that, uh, that this, this special teams unit and – uh, this kicking um, position will be way better off when uh, someone uh, with the drama of Quinn Nordine moves on. And that might be a harsh statement for, for a kid. But I mean, when you're seeing it publicly play out during games, um, you know, there's probably a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, and yeah, two for five, he finished this year. He finished his career 72.4%. Someone might say that's good. It's not good. Not, not good um, when you're, you know, a, a top kicker. Uh, NFL kickers, God, are making it like 85%, um, you know, better than that. College kickers, uh, the best college kickers at Michigan um, are all in the, the mid to upper 80s. Uh, so someone kicking 72% is pretty low um, for, for, for where you rank. In fact, I can even look it up here a little bit. And um, what, what I'm thinking is this was the kid that Jim Harbaugh had a sleepover for 
<laughs> you know, he, this was, this was the, the kid that had a, an entire video for his commitment off of a helicopter and was a five-star number one kicker in the nation. Jim Harbaugh went and slept over in his house while, while he was committed to Penn state uh, at the time and got him to flip. And it was like, all right, that's pretty disappointing. And once again, for a player who uh, had, you know, was supposed to be the number one guy, was supposed to be unbelievable, and he was at times. He did, you know, hit those fifty yarders and has an unbelievable leg. But he definitely has the character issues. Uh, I know that he's had those since high school because he went to high school on the west side of the state where I'm from. Um, and I know that that's, you know, when you're looking at. Uh, you know, a team and, uh, and molding these kids uh, together. Um, it's not great coming from, from your kicker. And then when you talk about the, uh, the, you know, the performance and he's not doing it and he's, and it's, uh, you know, less than stellar, I think it's a formula for bad news. And so I, again, I don't want to like just crap down the, uh, and crap on these, these players for leaving, but it's, there may be some situations where, uh, the team is saying, uh, you know what, it's, it might be better off that he's out of the locker room at this point. Well, and I, I will, I, I don't always want to, if I'm wrong about something, I want to correct myself. And I will say this, um, the Michigan record is 82.2% by Kenny Allen. Uh, there's a couple of people over 80%. Uh, most of the top 10 kickers are, are around 80%. Uh, and Quinn Nordeen ranks uh, 10th among kickers that have taken at least 10 field goals in their careers uh, at his 72.7% or 72.4%. Uh, so he ranks 10th um, among kickers. And there's 18, I'm sorry, 19 kickers that have taken 10 field goals or more. So he essentially ranks about you know, halfway between among the kickers that have taken 10 field goals or more. Uh, now they bring back uh, Jake Moody, who honestly needs to improve too. I mean, he had a rough year. He went uh, one for four this year and brought his average way down because uh, he's making 71% of his field goals in his career. And so, you know, he is a kid. He's a, he'll be a senior. He's got a lot of experience, uh, but they need more consistency from him and uh, in order to make that special teams unit really special in 2021. So, Mike, I want to talk about our friends at Lewis Jewelers again. And you know that I have had great experiences there. Um, I keep looking at uh, my fiance's ring and, and where we were able to show it off to friends and family this uh, holiday season um, as we went and visited them over uh, Christmas. And everyone was so happy and so, uh, you know, just blown away at, at how beautiful the ring was. And I don't, I'm not tooting my own horn here or anything, but I do think I picked out a good one, but um, the sparkle and everything like that, it was, uh, it was just so, it, it, you know, I think it's a beautiful piece and I, I can't uh, emphasize how great the experience was. You know, I've talked about it here uh, a few different times, but they, from top to bottom were able to help me out from you know I went in there with really no idea of what to get and I actually um, did not get any guidance from Jacqueline on what she wanted for in terms of a ring um, so I was going in there completely blind but they um, whether it was Keith that came on here with us a few weeks ago or, or Libby or one of their other uh, associates there they had they really helped me out and made it uh, an easy process for you know what is one of the biggest purchases of your life for uh, for a man or a woman that's going to, to get an engagement ring. So um, I can't, can't talk about them enough. Um, 
as you've mentioned many times, they don't operate on commission. So they were not pressuring me into any, uh, you know, upsell or trying to get a bigger ring or anything like that. They actually brought the price down for me. Um, and after I came back in and said, you know what, I think my budget is actually uh, a little bit lower than I was expecting. So I need to, to, uh, you know, take a look at something else and they were able to, to fit it all in there. So, um, they were fantastic. And, and the, the best part about it all too, is they have told myself and my fiance that she can go in there and get it buffed anytime and get it cleaned. They have people that come in once a week, once a month, every six months to, to get it all cleaned and taken care of. So it's not just a one-time sell. It's a, uh, you know, it's a lifetime thing where they are so happy to take care of you. And we can't wait, you know, in a, in a few, uh, well, 18 months now we are getting married and we can't wait to, uh, to get here, uh, you know, and add a wedding band to it. I know you talked about adding a band to your wife's uh, ring as well. And they've got a lot more even beyond the engagement ring. So um, Lewis Jewelers, you can find them on state uh, West stadium Boulevard. I know they're trying to move into that new place here, uh, hopefully sooner than later, but um, they are, uh, you know, phenomenal people over there. So go fit, go visit them even, even beyond the holidays now, which is, you know, the big uh, engagement season, but you can go there for your watches, rings, bracelets, and all the above here. So Lewis Jewelers, where Ann Arbor gets engaged. Justin, let's finish up here just real quick. Michigan basketball plays uh, tomorrow night. Uh, They haven't played since Christmas night. Um, Now they play uh, tomorrow night um, on the road uh, again, uh, this time at Maryland, where they're predicted to uh, win by one point, according to Ken Palm. The game is at 8 p.m. And uh, this is a Maryland team uh, that's, you know, six and three on the season coming off a, a big win over Wisconsin uh, just earlier this week um, lost to Purdue in a tight game uh, lost to Rutgers earlier in the year in a, in a fairly big blowout. Um, but when you look at this one and again, it's, it's kind of hard because Michigan has been off for so long. Like, so you don't know how much rust there is. Uh, but when you look at it, uh, how do you feel about this one? Uh, and really let's start with this. Who is your player to watch for Michigan in this game tomorrow night? To me, and this is not a stretch or a bold statement by any means, but it's Hunter Dickinson. Um, He has been the absolute X factor for Michigan. He has come on and been a a stud in every form of the word. And so um, he actually came out and was talking uh, to the media yesterday. And he was, you know, he's, uh, I believe he's from that side of of the country. And he was able, or he was, um, not offered, I believe, by Maryland. So he's got a little vengeance there. Terrence Williams has the same thing because I know he's from right around College Park. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of a of a you know of a revenge thing going on between those two guys. And so I'm I'm excited to see what Hunter Dickinson can do uh, uh, there. But also in terms of this will be the the best um, post game that Hunter Dickinson will have to go against. Maryland has a couple really, really big guys. And, and although they've, he's already gone against some big guys, but this will be the, his toughest test, I believe. And so we'll get to see now if Hunter Dickinson is just a, you know, is, is he an average freshman or is he the real deal where he can go up against the best there is and still put up the stat lines that he's been putting up. So uh, what do you have for, uh, who do you have for your uh, player to watch? 
You know, I'm looking at Maryland's roster, and admittedly, um, I have uh, only seen uh, their game against Wisconsin. I haven't watched any of their other basketball this year, so I don't have a great feel for the Terrapins. But, you know, I'm always – I'm a big Eli Brooks fan, and, and Eli, to me, is someone who, uh, you know, he had, a, he had a good game against uh, Nebraska last week. Um, and I just think, like, there's more, more to him than what he has shown. Uh, he scored in double digits three of his last four games, uh, four games overall this year. I'm just waiting for him to kind of like take off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so my X factor, my player to watch is going to be Eli Brooks. Although I certainly think the triumvirate of Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, and Shonday Brown um, with their athleticism and their ability to be interchangeable uh, is, is going to be a big part of, of this game to watch. But uh, I'm excited because I didn't get a chance to watch Christmas uh, get day game live. I will get a chance to watch uh, this uh, Michigan, uh, Michigan, Maryland game. I'm sure my in-laws coming over are going to be super thrilled that I'll be um, watching uh, college basketball uh, on new year's Eve while we're trying to celebrate, but Hey, those are the breaks sometimes. So um, excited, excited to watch it. And then Justin, I mean, we got, we got college football. Suddenly, you. you know what? Yeah. New Year's Day, we will have college football. We will have some national championship semifinals. And we got a special guest joining us on Saturday morning for our podcast that um, former Michigan baseball player, huge personality, one of my friends. I didn't know one of your friends, but apparently <laughs> uh, one of your friends too. Um, very likable guy. Uh, you're going to enjoy this podcast on, uh, on Saturday morning. But uh, um, until then, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, JustinRow92, Michael Spath, ITH Stadium Main Pod. Uh, and wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to the Stadium and Main Podcast. Appreciate our sponsors, as always. Thanks uh, particularly to Lewis Jewelers and, and Weber's Ann Arbor. Uh, Wolverine State Brewing Company has a great menu right now. Kapnick Insurance Group and Frankenmuth Insurance. Uh, thanks to all of them for their support of the Stadium and Main Podcast. Thank you, and Happy New Year to all our listeners out there. We will see you later this week. This is the Stadium and Main Podcast, presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.